So, you slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get a little more sleep in. And if you do need to get a little more sleep in, we'd much rather you did that at home than in our pews. You can always catch up with the sermon later right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep In Podcast. You'll miss out on some things we think are pretty cool and pretty important, like the community and the support of the community and, and inspiring music and the kids in the, their children's choir doing cute hand animations to songs. Oh. Hand motions, I guess. And you can't have cookies after church, but we'll give you what we can. I'm Chris Marshall. And I'm Susan Foster. We are United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada, the biggest little city in the world. We're not theological experts or homiletical harbingers of a new age. We are your average pastors, helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started this podcast so that if you're away from home, or maybe working, or perhaps there was a open house at your kid's dojo, or maybe just sleeping in, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon we gave on Sunday, so whatever day it is when you're listening to this, we just ask that you keep an open heart and an open mind as you listen and think your own thoughts. Thinking about thinking your own thoughts, we really encourage that. In fact, we want you to do that. Some preachers have an answer for you. We just have more questions for you. Mm-hmm. And so we want you to be thinking about those things and to be exploring what they mean for your life and to have that conversation. And in the midst of it, we hope that you will experience the mysterious loving force that we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. So it's our second uh, second sermon of this week, on, Susan, on, on Palm Sunday. Sunday. So yes. Palm Sunday, we've mentioned before, is the kickoff of Holy Week, which is the high holy season for us in the yep. springtime. It's exciting stuff. There's many services this, this week. week. You yes. can get in touch with your local churches and discover what they've got going on for you. you. But Palm Sunday is the day that we remember Jesus's entrance into Jerusalem the and week the before. And the rabble rousers that were all excited about it. Yeah, the, the week before he died. My dad, I remember one time he gave this image and it's always stuck with me. He says, you imagine these ruffians who like pulled branches off of trees and stood by and waved them. And flipped over Toyotas and set I mean, some garbage cans of, I mean, on fire. It almost has that feel, right? It's like the Stanley Cup all over again. Yeah. Sometimes we tame it. Yeah. I, I always think of it as street theater. Like right. maybe there wasn't actually a huge crowd, but there were Jesus' disciples and maybe a, a bigger crowd than just the 12 kind yeah. of running alongside and making a big to-do because they were making a point. So so we start off with the, with the Palm Sunday scripture, and then we moved into... The last part <gasps> no way. of Jesus' sermon. Are we at the end of the, the Sermon Mount. on the Mount? We are at the Already? end of the Sermon on the Mount. And the last verse is Jesus came down the mountain with cheers of the crowd still ringing in his ears. Mm. Before we get there, Jesus has a couple of interesting images for us about y- y'all know the song. The wise man built his, his house, house upon the rock, rock. right? And the foolish man built his house upon the sand, and the rains came, came tumbling down. down. Um, and what happens is, of course, the person who builds their house on a strong foundation on the rock, their house can withstand the storm. And if you build your house on the sand, it's going to not have a very strong foundation and crumble in the storm. So Jesus is talking about this whole sermon that he's given. And he says, these words are what you build your life on. That these are not incidental improvements to your life. This is the foundation. These are these are not like self-help tips along the way. Right. This is the foundation. This is what shapes everything else. And 
what's interesting is when you read Matthew, is you realize Matthew's all about works righteousness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Matthew mm-hmm. is all about putting it into action, Put it... which is probably why Matthew is my favorite gospel. You right. know, there's a lot of empty words flying around. It, right? But I want to see, show me. Show, show me, me. What to, show me with your life what's going on. And Jesus says, you know, that, that building your life is the foundation. Doing this stuff is the foundation. And then you build your theology on top of that. Right. On top of your action. So that's sort of how the Sermon on the Mount comes to a close. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words to build a life on. You know, that's a good place to end. Yeah. Because what Jesus is saying is like, all the stuff I've told you before, like I mean it. I mean it. I, mean I really it. mean it. It's, it's important. And I want you to go do something with it. Yeah. Don't just read these pretty words. Don't just hear these pretty words. Go and live them. So then Jesus comes down from the Sermon on the Mount and goes about his business and proceeds to be interrupted over and over and over again in the midst of all of the things that he's trying to do. Um, and interruptions, I've been thinking about interruptions a lot recently mm-hmm. because we hate them. Oh gosh, yes. We hate them. We have a, a thought in our head, we're in the middle of doing a project and something pops up and it totally distracts us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it destroys our train of thought. Yep. It wastes our time mm-hmm. from our perspective, right? right? Like I'm trying to get my stuff done my way and you're trying to come in here and tell me I gotta do something else. These interruptions can be and super And sometimes it's even like the interruption, like they're your own interruptions, right? Like I have that experience that where like I'm, like I have the pile of stuff I need to do in front of me. Mm-hmm. Then I glance over and I'm like, oh, that needs to be done too. Yeah. It's not just external. It's also our... Yeah. Well, there's a reason I use an app to keep track of my to-do list and yeah. it's because I will interrupt myself so often that I get nothing done. Yeah. There's a reason I named my dog Squirrel because mm-hmm. she is the human condition of being distracted by yes, something else. Definitely. So yeah, so so interruptions are super frustrating. But one of the things that I tell couples when I'm doing couples counseling is that interruptions are also a place that we build relationship. Mm-hmm. So in my sermon on Sunday, I started talking about this study that was done by Dr. Gottman. And it, it's called the Turn Toward Instead of Away study, mm. which is an awkward name for a study, but there it is. <laughs> So they followed up. It probably sounded better in someone's head. I'm sure it did. They followed up with couples who'd been married for six years. Okay. And after six years, a number of those couples were still married, and a number of those couples had parted ways. Mm -hmm. And so they wanted to figure out uh, what the difference was between Mm -hmm. these two couples. I'm sure there were many differences between these two couples. There's lots of reasons why couples split. But what they discovered was that there was a huge difference in the number of times partners would respond to an interruption positively. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the six-year follow-up, the couples who were still together, 86% of the time when somebody uh, offered a bid for attention or affection or help, Mm -hmm. 86% of the time the partner would turn towards that person. Mm. A bid can be something like, hey, there's a bird outside. And then the other partner saying, oh, that's interesting. What kind of bird? Right? Mm -hmm. It's just needing your attention for a moment. Um, A bid for affection might be something like, what do you think of this project I just completed? Or do these genes make me look pastoral, right? Like (laughs) all of that bids for affection. Then there's uh, bids for help. Uh, Bids for help might be, hey, could you help me do this one thing? Or can you take out the garbage tonight? Can you take out the garbage? Or I had a really rough day at work today, which is a bid to help you Mm de-stress, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so there's all these different ways that we say things, but the subtext is I need you for a second. Mm -hmm. Just need you for a second. And, 86% 86% of the time in these couples that stayed together, they would turn towards that bid. Right. So still not a perfect ratio, right? Not 100%. Not 100%, but 86% more often than not. 86% of the time, 
More often than not, they would turn towards one another and respond to those bids. In the couples that broke up, Mm -hmm. only 33% of the time. That's impressive. Only 33% of the time would they turn. So almost three times as much the couples that stayed together would turn towards one another than not. It's just incredible to me. It's as simple as that, and it's Mm -hmm. that quantifiable. Like I said, there's lots of reasons that go into this kind of stuff. But but that one of the things that improves your chances is simply paying attention to the other person. And when you think about that, when you pay attention to the other person, your actions change. Here's another fascinating tidbit. The couple, there's, there's three things that you can do for, to a bid, right? So if somebody bids for your attention, affection, help, whatever, you can turn towards them, mm-hmm. which is to respond positively. Right. You can turn away, which is to ignore, mm-hmm. or you can turn against, which is, which to, is to respond negatively. So if I say, do these genes make me look pastoral? And you say, I'm not talking to you right now. That's actually better than you not saying anything. Because right. even conflict is conversation. I'm not saying go out and start a bunch of fights. But if I say, does this dress make me look fat? And you say, eh, that's not the end of the conversation, right? Right. It opens up for, right. for more debate, right. which can lead to resolution, which can lead to stronger relationship. Right. As opposed to totally ignoring somebody. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? That's totally interesting. So turning away, ignoring is worse than, than being negative in some ways. Hmm. So this Dr. Gottman study... I find fascinating. Yes. Because that's a romantic relationship, which we talked about in the last episode. Right. It's not a central theme of the gospel. Right. But, but our relationship is... with God certainly is. Well, and, and we have used um, in theology the romantic relationship language about yeah. the relationship between us and God. Yeah, like our, our, our boyfriend Jesus. Yeah. And all the praise music from the 90s. <laughs> Like, or oh you can't God. tell whether they're singing about their girlfriend or Jesus. Or Jesus. Like Cartman's band in South Park where he just changes <laughs> baby to Jesus and starts a praise band. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so what we do, we use romantic language for God. All the different it, it, kinds of love language for right. God. But well, I, but I was thinking, I was thinking especially like the early church fathers and mothers. I mean, there was definitely some of that in there. That's just, Oh yeah. Well, Teresa of Avila wrote yeah. some pretty erotic poetry about God. Yes. Very anyway. sensuous stuff. Anyway. Anyway. I talked about her in my Imperfect Saint series, but she uh, she's an interesting one. Anyway, so but this relationship right. strength building thing mm-hmm. does not just reply, uh, apply to, to romantic, romantic relationships. I mean, because you can totally saying. see how it would apply in your relationship with your best friend. Absolutely. When when your best friend stops replying to your texts, you one know. of the one of the the worst fights I've been in was when I came home from a really 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 long day at work Mm -hmm. and my roommate had had a really bad fight with one of her friends she was like talking to me about it just talking and talking and i knew that she was talking but i could not i i did not have the capacity to hear what she was saying (laughs) and she suddenly realized that i wasn't listening Mm -hmm. and i tried to say something that made it sound like i was listening (laughs) and she, she got so mad at me she just like stormed off because it was like sometimes you just don't have the capacity, right? right? Sometimes right. you just don't have the capacity. But if I paid attention to God's bids for my attention, mm-hmm. even eighty six percent of the time, yeah, I would have a very different relationship with God. Yeah, I think we are attuned to turning away. Mm-hmm. We are attuned to putting ourselves and our own interests, well, and yeah. our own priorities first. It's easier. It's simpler. It's... It comes naturally. It's part of our developmental mm-hmm. system. You know, as soon as we start to differentiate, this is a Borg idea. Right. As soon as we start to differentiate between ourselves and other people, we prioritize. Right. 
and we generally prioritize ourselves. This is just kind of a, a natural thing that we do, but recognizing that shifting that mm-hmm. can have a huge impact, a significant impact on how our relationships are healthy or not. Yeah. So I started thinking about these interruptions mm-hmm. and how God interrupts us Yeah, all the time. Yep. Um, there are all these little bids for our attention, attention and affection. And one of the things that gratitude practices do is it helps us recognize them yep. more. Yeah. But there's all these different bids for our attention. And Jesus's life, his teachings over and over again is him trying to help us figure this stuff out. Mm-hmm. Here is this thing that might help you. Here's this thing that might help you. And it's, it's a bid for attention. Yeah. It's attention that would serve us actually better than it probably serves Jesus. Yeah. So Jesus's Sermon on the Mount is him trying to impress upon us how important it is to live lives of recognizing that God's present even when things are not going well, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of risk, of generosity, yeah. of gratitude, being grounded in God's love so that we care less about the opinions of other people, mm-hmm. um, of being non-judgmental and instead being intentional about how we build relationships, of managing conflict well, of paying attention. Jesus's Sermon on the Mount is this marathon in... How do you love God, love yourself, and love your community well? Yeah. And it's this bid that's saying, this will help you. Yeah. Will you pay attention? If you pay attention. Will you turn towards this or will you turn away? We're heading into Holy Week and the story of Jesus entering Jerusalem and this street theater, which is mocking the Roman Empire, Mm -hmm. which is trying to get people to say there's a different way of being in the world, right? As Jesus is entering one gate of the city, Pilate is entering the The other. other. Pilate is the Roman governor who's known for his violence, mm-hmm. known for his repression of the people. And, and he's that, coming with an army. He's coming with an army. He's coming on a white horse. He's coming uh, with lots and lots of weaponry. And noise. And and, he, and he's coming to put the fear of God into people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fear of Caesar into people, people, really. Because they're afraid of uprisings during the holy days. And Jesus is entering the other side of the city, and he's not riding on a, a stallion. He's riding on a colt. Right. And he's not carrying weapons. They're carrying palm branches mm-hmm. and coats. Um, they're not shouting, Hail Caesar, as if everything is okay. They're shouting, Hosanna. They're shouting, We need help. Save us, save us, save, save us. us. Save us, save us, save us. And um, Jesus is openly mocking the Roman Empire as another bid for our attention, as another bid of saying, Violence and repression is not the only way. Yeah. Uh, and that there there are better ways to live into community. Mm-hmm. And I sort of get angry every single year. Yep. Anger is my base level anyway. I'm, right. I have a constant low-level rage, aside from being a female eight in this country. <laughs> I just have a constant low-level rage at the things that I think are wrong with the world. Mm-hmm. But this this week is hard for me because... As Jesus is going into the city, I know what he's heading towards. Yeah, we know the rest of the story. We know that he is heading towards the cross, Mm -hmm. that he's going to be killed, and that this last desperate bid for attention still might not catch everybody's attention. yeah. And I get frustrated because I think if we had paid better attention before, would he have needed to do that? Yeah. And I think, no, no, I told my congregation on Sunday, I don't think God required the cross as a payment for human sin. God yeah. was forgiving sin long before God had been cross. doing it forever. Jesus was forgiving sin. He kept getting in trouble for it because who is he to forgive sin? Forgive. But Jesus has been forgiving sin during his life. Right. Um, repairing relationships mm-hmm. during his life. And it doesn't require a blood sacrifice. <gasps> I think we killed Jesus. Humans killed Jesus because Jesus tried to, to make us pay attention to 
what God is actually calling us to be and how far we fall short of that. Right. And we can't look at it. It's too scary. It's too frustrating. It's too shameful for us. Right. And so the easy answer is to get rid of the guy who's trying to make us pay attention. Yeah. We are the ones who killed Jesus. He pushed too many buttons on the power structure. He pushed too many buttons inside the religious power structure. structure. And we couldn't handle it. And it was easier. You know, he was was demanding we change. He was demanding that we change. And it was easier for us to kill him than to change. And I get angry every year that we did this. Hmm. And I get angrier because I know that if I had been there, I not, wouldn't necessarily have been any better. Right. The, the reality is, is that we feel like, I feel like, um, I, cause I totally agree with you, Chris. I, in fact, that's, that's the theology my mother raised me on is like the cross didn't have to happen. And when I said that in Sunday school, my Sunday school teachers like freaked out. Yeah. Um, well, you the pastor's kid. I was so, the yeah. pastor's kid who said it. So, but then when I when I'm self reflective, I go, yeah. But would I have been able to stand it? Would I have been able to be in the presence of that and, and claim that? Yeah. Or would it have been easier to to go along quietly, the, put your palm down, down, and walk away? Yeah. Which is the image that keeps sticking with me this year. Yeah. It's easier to just kind of to turn away mm-hmm. than to turn towards. Yeah. Even if we don't turn against, sometimes I think turning away is worse. The quote about I can always forget who says it, but it, the, with all that's required for for evil to is for good men to do nothing. nothing right? Yeah, it's a Martin Luther King Jr. Is it, quote. Is it Martin Luther King, or or did he take it from somebody else? Anyway, he probably took it from somebody, somebody else. else. But all that's required for evil to flourish is for good men to do nothing. Right. That's what we're in the reality of in and, this week. Yeah, and, and so as Jesus is going into Jerusalem, I wonder what was running through his head. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he still had hope. Like maybe, maybe this street theater will catch their attention. Maybe when I turn over the tables, tables in, in the in, in the, the temple, temple, it'll catch their attention. Maybe when I when I teach them. Maybe even at the Last Supper, like there's still time. Maybe, there's maybe, still maybe, hope. maybe, yeah, maybe. I wonder if he still had hope, or if he knew how inevitable it was that we couldn't handle the kind of love he was calling what, what us it, to. What is the point at which God, Jesus knew it was inevitable? So I, I think of um, several years ago with the whole um, the betrayal. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a there was a whole like. Like it caught people's attention, like that maybe Jesus actually instigated that. Oh yeah, the Judas, the gospel according to Judas, Judas. that like Jesus and Judas were in on it together, so that Jesus could get attention and all of this stuff. Right, but you know, like just you you play with that in your head. Where, when, when was it that Jesus was like, "Oh, this is really gonna happen. This is this has to happen." Yeah, I don't know. We use the palm branches on Sunday. We, you know, we order palm branches mm-hmm. in the church and we wrap them in wet towels. Thank you, Susan, for that tip in our dry climate. And it worked well. It worked well. Okay. Um, so we had We're our... hoping ours will last until Easter so that we can use them as background greenery. Interesting. Okay. So we... I have more in my car if you need more. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I think we, we have uh, enough. We hand out these palms and, uh, and, and then like, what you know, what do you do with them? And so what we did was... I talked about these palms were the things that people used to welcome Jesus into Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And they, for me, represent all of our best intentions of wanting to welcome this way of life, this way of sacrificial love into our hearts and our communities and our lives to make them foundational mm-hmm. for us. All of our best intentions, even if we know that we will never live up to that intention. Yeah. Uh, even if we will never be able to do that 100% of the time. If we could get a little bit closer and a little bit closer, 86% of the time, if we could listen. Yeah. 86% of the time, how uh, how much deeper our relationship with God, our trust, um, mm-hmm. and our groundedness in God's love would be. Yeah. And so I said, you know, it's traditional in church. What happens to the palms on Palm Sunday is that the pastors take them 
and we dry them out and we burn them and those become the ashes for next year's Ash Wednesday. Which means for me that these signs of all of our best intentions, which we know will fail, Mm -hmm. become the sign next year for us to remember our failure, become the sign for us that even when our best intentions fail, Mm -hmm. God can make something out of it that will show us grace. And so these ashes symbolize the temporariness of our lives Mm -hmm. and how important it is for us to do with the time that we have what we know is best. Right. And so it, it takes all of our, our best intentions and even our failed best intentions and turns them into a sign of grace for us mm-hmm. in the coming year. But having those intentions is still important because it might draw us a little bit closer and right. a little bit closer well, and, and a little we'll, bit closer. Well, you know, when we hear the distractions, perhaps we will pay attention. Yeah. And I usually end my sermon with amen. And mm-hmm. then everybody in the congregation goes, amen. Right. Oh, good, you're done. It's like, that's the, that's the cue that the, the thing, sermon right? is over. And I, I didn't this year. I just I just said, you know... Well, you know, what are your best intentions this year? You know, how will you have the courage to Mm -hmm. watch this story this week um, and to recognize our place in the story and to make a change, Mm -hmm. to pay attention now so that we don't keep doing this same stupid cycle of violence over and over again to prove that we're secure, to prove that we're in power, to prove that, you know, nothing can shake us. Like, how will you let God shake you? Right. And so heading into Holy Week, heading into Monday, Thursday and Good Friday and Black Saturday and Easter Sunday, how will you focus your intention this week and invited people to bring their palms forward and lay them at the foot of the cross mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as a way of giving up those intentions? Yeah. And so that was that was sort of us on Sunday. That's cool. That's cool. It freaked some people out. Good. People who had never heard that the cross wasn't necessary for God. Right. You know, there's a lot of different atonement theologies out there. Yeah. I, I think that I think that that's something that many people miss in church. Mm-hmm. That there's is a it, lot of different ways to interpret what happens mm-hmm. in the cross. This person was great. She came up to me afterwards and said, can we talk more about that? And I said, absolutely. And so we, we had, you know, just a five or ten minute conversation on the steps of the church after mm-hmm. worship was over. And uh, and encouraged her to keep having that conversation with her pastor when she, she was visiting. With her pastor when she got back uh, to her hometown. Yeah. Because... There's a lot of different ways to understand what's going on in the cross. And just because I think one way doesn't mean you have to agree with me. Right. Which we say at the beginning of every one of these every podcasts. Every single one of these podcasts. Um, but, but it helps to look at things from a different perspective sometimes and to ask those yeah. questions because it leads us in a different way in prayer and it might uh, open up some some new perspectives and some new um, intentions in us. So I think it's important for to also say that we I can understand why people become attached to a certain version of, of why this had to happen. Right. But I also think it's important to say that maybe there's not one answer. Mm-hmm. Like, I know we don't like ambiguity as people, but but maybe that God was doing something so... I mean, God was in the midst of redeeming something so horrible that, that it has to that has to be worth it on a variety of levels. Yeah, that it's right? got to work for a lot of different people. And what's cool is that then everybody can mm-hmm. resonate with that story in some way, even if they're resonating it, it, with it in a way that I don't think is particularly useful or helpful. If it works for them, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. There's a book that I use called Cross Examinations, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's a collection of essays from people who all see the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus in totally different ways. And they, so they spend all this time disagreeing with one another, but really stating, here's how I see it. 
Right. And I think it's helpful to recognize that we can see it in a lot of different ways and to read a lot of different perspectives. So Yeah. And then, and, you know, and there's the idea that, you know, there, there could have been a nonviolent version of this. There, There's all those, I think, of some of the other books that are out there that I've read that have just been really powerful to inform the, the variety of experience. Because right. I think when, this is one of the, the places it becomes a, a boulder for folks in faith mm-hmm. because they be, they're they told they have to believe it happened like this or it happened this way or it happened for these reasons. Mm-hmm. And those don't resonate with them. And the person they're speaking to, it resonates so deeply with them that they can't, they can't you know, see the, outside the, Here are two people who are never going to be able to see the same way right. out of their life experiences and to expect that one answer, so it really puts us in a, a bind it binds people. Yeah, it, it really, yeah. Not what we want to do. Yeah. So as you're reflecting on mm-hmm. this story this week, I think it's a good idea, as Susan said in the last podcast, to sort of sit with the story for a while mm-hmm. and to be okay with, to have the courage to recognize that if God can turn all of our failed best intentions into something beautiful, that God can take your failed best intentions and all right. of your broken places and can do something beautiful with those as well. Yeah. Do you have the courage to wait and look? Yeah. Do you have the courage to sit with the story for a while and to walk with Jesus through this week in Jerusalem and see what happens? Do you have the courage to find yourself in the story? Good. So, yeah. So what is your church doing for Monday, Thursday, Good Friday? Oh, what yeah. are the celebrations so, this week? So Monday, Thursday, we have our traditional soup dinner mm-hmm. at 5.30 p.m. And then kid-friendly worship at 6.30, which means that there will be some kind of arts and crafts project that we will do <laughs> together as community. Uh, and that'll be super fun. So I encourage you to come to that if you're interested. And then on Good Friday, we'll be with all of the Methodists in North Reno and Sparks. Uh, in Sparks. Sparks, mm-hmm. is, their church is on the corner of Pyramid and Audi. And you're welcome to join us at 7 p.m. And Spanish Springs Presbyterian as yeah, well. Yeah, they're joining us too. And we're sort of reflecting on some of the images of Good Friday. Mm-hmm. So you'll hear four different mini-sermons meditations meditations and hey maybe we can get those guys to stick around afterwards and record a little bit of it Ooh. for the podcast maybe we should ask them we might not we might not. but we might <laughs> so, gary looks at us so skeptical about this so we'll yeah see. gary is nervous i think about being on record saying anything <laughs> but, <laughs> but we'll, we'll see, see. We can we'll see what we can it. do and then of course easter sunday we've got three services six o'clock uh in the morning down in west street plaza which is the courtyard on the riverbank in Reno, and uh, we'll be there at 6 a.m. The sun's supposed to come up at 6.20. The idea is that we it's almost like we hold vigil and we wait for the sun to rise together. Yes. The sun and the sun. I always like to do that in, in, a, in a courtyard where you could have it later because the sun wouldn't come in yet. So yeah, in well, I'd have it at 7 because we I, do it in our backyard. It wasn't until last year that I realized that the sunrise time depends on where you are in the time zone. Yes. Because I had a friend in South Carolina whose church sunrise service wasn't until 7.30. And I was like, what? How'd that happen? How did you pull that off? Like that's that's amazing. No, six a.m. We'll be in the courtyard at six a.m. So six a.m., eight fifteen, and and ten a.m. Our usual services, and then at one p.m. in Tongan, if that's your thing. Yeah. So which would be really cool. And Good Friday worship at our church in Tongan at seven p.m. on Friday. As well. Okay. Good. If you speak more Tongan than I do, you will get something out of those services. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep-In Podcast. If you have questions for us or stories that relate to the topic we've been discussing today, we'd really love to hear from you on an email at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com. You can find us on all the different players for podcasts. Uh, We're also on Facebook, and uh, we'd love to hear some comments over there as well. Uh, The scripture for this podcast was Matthew... 21, 1 through 11, the Palm Sunday story. Uh Uh-huh. And Matthew 7, 24 to 29. Okay. The conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. Mount. Woohoo! 
<laughs> the theme music you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. It's traditional at the end of a worship service for the priest to deliver a blessing to the congregation, some wise words that make everybody just a little bit holier, but it is also traditional during Holy Week, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, that we don't do a blessing because all of these services are sort of one giant service. We don't want you to, to feel like there's some some closure and then go about your life as usual. We want you to live with the story for a little while. So I told my people on Sunday, even though Palm Sunday isn't technically one of those services, that I think it should be. <laughs> so I didn't give them their usual homework. My blessing this week was just to pay attention. God is constantly bidding for our attention. And if we could increase the number of times we turn towards that, how different our lives would be. So the question this week, whatever you believe about atonement, whatever you believe about the Holy Week story, is how will you choose to live into your own skin? How will you love? How will you listen? How will you serve? How will you seek justice? Maybe you slept in, but now it's time to wake up and pay attention. Amen. Amen. Amen.